I want to let you know why I'm not there. I'm actually in my hometown, Cushata, Louisiana, because one of the themes that have worked their way through my life is uh, the fact that God has used me to bring people together across race and ethnicity. It started when I uh, started off in elementary school. My elementary class was the first uh, racially integrated class, elementary class, in our small town's history, 1970. So when we graduated in 1982, it was a really big deal. Uh, I played a real role in trying to help bring our class together uh, to celebrate all of us turning 55 years old. Uh, and so we have all come back to Cushata across race and ethnicity and all the other diversity uh, just to really give God thanks for life. So that's what I'm doing here. It's really connected to some sense, you would see, what we're doing together as a congregation there uh, in Silicon Valley. I want to also introduce uh, my dear friend, and I do mean friend, uh, Rabbi Ezra. Uh, everybody make some noise for the rabbi! Awesome. It's been a real gift and blessing, not just simply to share uh, the building of the synagogue, but to be in real partnership with Rabbi. And uh, we're continuing to deepen the partnership between our two communities. Uh, you've heard me say before that Christianity was born uh, literally and figuratively out of the womb of Judaism. And it's not an accident that we're in this building. It turns out that Rabbi Ezra's seminary uh, roommate uh, was a former colleague of mine's back in Boston. We only figured that out when we met each other for the very first time. So I am delighted to have him back to speak to us about how we as two shared uh, faith communities uh, can continue to expand a brighter and brighter light uh, in a world that desperately needs it. So would you please put your hands together and give God a hand praise for my friend, Rabbi Ezra. <laughs> You know, there are some things our communities can learn from each other. I would love my community to learn that you welcome the rabbi by saying, let's give a rousing hand for the rabbi. <laughs> Anyone from our synagogue could just imagine. <laughs> Do you know how you greet people around holidays actually has meaning? And I would imagine this past week, many people wished you Merry Christmas. And I, I wish you Merry Christmas, but I'm wondering if that's the right word to use. Because here's what I really want to wish you. I want to wish you a meaningful Christmas. I want to share with you my hope that your Christmas moved you to a stronger embrace of who you are of what your faith calls and asks of you, of what your heart is connected to. So, it doesn't sound as good. Meaningful Christmas. <laughs> I am grateful to be here today. It means a lot. Two faiths sharing a sacred space brings blessings that we can't even imagine. It's going to take us places we can't even envision because we will learn about each other in a different type of way through knowing each other. And as you know someone with a different faith, 
and you respect those differences, you actually enhance your own faith. We find some shared connections. We begin to imagine how those connections might play out in future days, and the sky's the limit. So today, with that shared messages in mind, I want to bring to you the holiday of Hanukkah. We, we started before your Christmas and we're going after. <laughs> Last Sunday was night one. Tonight is night eight. We will light the eighth and final candle with the holiday culminating the next day at sunset. So let's start with a few fun little facts. Number one, the holiday is pronounced Hanukkah. There you go. Not, not Hanukkah. <laughs> not Chinooka. You To really get the authentic pronunciation, and I'm going to work with you on this, there's a letter in Hebrew that isn't in our language, Chet. And Chet comes from deep in the throat and chest. Let's try to say Chet without spitting on the person in front of you. <laughs> All right, so now you're ready. Hanukkah. That was good. That was good. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. By the way, the word means dedication. Dedication. So what are we dedicating? We rededicated the temple. The temple that had been defiled and no longer in use. And I'll give you a bit more of the story, but we recaptured it and rededicated it. Dedication. By the way, when you think about just what the word means, it can take you places. It's considered a minor holiday. On the big holidays, you don't work. This is one where you could work. On the big holidays, you dress up different. This one, normal clothes. But the fact that it's a minor holiday does not mean that it is an insignificant holiday. It is an extraordinary holiday. And I hope by the end of this talk, you'll appreciate some of the deep meanings of it. One of the pieces that is confusing is what's the difference between a menorah and a Hanukkah? Ready? That, by the way, up there is a menorah. And you'll notice that it just has seven branches. That was what was used in the temple to bring in light. A Hanukkah is a special menorah, a special candelabra, just for this holiday to celebrate eight days. So you'll now impress people with your knowledge. That's a menorah. <laughs> this is a Hanukkah. And you'll get the chet beautiful. One last piece of introduction. Why does Hanukkah seem to move around on the calendar so much? Sometimes it's at Thanksgiving, sometimes it's at Christmas. Judaism goes by a lunar calendar. New moon to new moon. So that actually results in months of 29 or 30 days and a year of 354 days. We are used to, in this country, a solar calendar. The earth going around the sun, that's 365 days. So that means that the Jewish calendar loses 11 days 
every year. However, the holidays needed to be at the right time of season. There's one about the fall harvest, the spring harvest. So the rabbis who really came around the time of Jesus, first, second, third century, with some antecedents, the rabbis said to make things sync up, we're going to add a leap month. So seven times every 19 years, we have an extra month of Adar. Adar, by the way, is the month of joy and happiness. So we get two Adars in a leap year. So in a year that we've added a month, the holidays are going to be late. And as the cycle goes, they get earlier and earlier. That all makes sense now, doesn't it? Excellent. This is one of those wonderful years where Hanukkah and Christmas occurred on the same day. And I want to reflect today on the connections between the holidays while also honoring the differences. And I want to begin with the story that most people will tell you is the Hanukkah story if you asked someone who was Jewish. This is the story we tell our kids, and it's the story that, sadly, many adults think is the whole story. So what's the story? There was an evil king. Boo. <laughs> king Antiochus Epiphanes. And this evil king said, you may not practice Judaism anymore. You must worship the emperor and Zeus. So the decrees were, no, Shabbat. No circumcision, no Jewish study, no Jewish stuff. And there was a group of people who said, no, there's only one God. We will not bow down to an idol. What we will do <clears throat> is we will rebel. And when they brought the statue of the emperor to the little town of Modi'in, the Maccabee family rose up in rebellion. <clears throat> they fought a guerrilla warfare and they were successful. They liberated the temple, and here's the story almost everyone knows. In order to rededicate the temple, you needed pure oil. But it had all been defiled, and you needed an amount of time in order to do it. You needed eight days. The oil that they found lasted only for one day. They lit it, and the miracle was it lasted for eight days. That's the story you will hear. And by the way, it's a good story. There are important truths within that story. But the real story is you dig a little deeper, and it's a little more complicated and a lot more interesting. So I'm going to give you a nice Hanukkah gift. I'm going to give you eight lessons for the deeper meaning of Hanukkah. Lesson number one, Hanukkah is a fight for religious freedom. By the way, the, the, the historians will give you lots of reasons why King Antiochus issued his decrees. They're complicated. This may have been in many ways more of a civil war as opposed to a war against a particular people. Civil war because... When Alexander the Great conquered the world 
and the kingdom divided between his generals, the Ptolemies and what was Egypt, the Seleucids and what was Syria. Greek culture spread. Philosophy, gymnasium, beliefs, architecture. And many were pulled to that. And in many ways, the highly assimilated, Hellenized, those who took on that culture, Jews allied with the elite. Now, for whatever reason, King Antiochus, maybe in response to some of those alliances that asked for his help, decided that he was going to solve the problem of all of the discord and the divisions by saying, let's make uniform worship. The second you make uniform worship, you repress other people's freedom. And his rules indeed were rules which denied us the ability to worship as we saw fit. In many ways, the message of Hanukkah is a message that you stand up for your religious freedom. It's a message that when someone persecutes you, when someone oppresses you, when someone acts against you simply because of your faith, you stand up and fight. And I want you to think about this message right now. Because in many ways, as a Jew, I feel more under attack than at any other time in my life. I'm a little older than Pastor Herman. I'm 58. Growing up, I thought I lived in the golden time when there wasn't anti-Semitism. When we'd say at the Passover Seder and every generation they rise up against us, I would think whoever wrote this book was a little too obsessed with those who don't like us. Just it didn't feel true anymore, but boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. You don't need me to quote statistics to know that anti-Semitism and other hatreds are growing. We open the paper each and every day to new reports and it hurts our heart. And this morning we opened to another one. At a Hanukkah celebration, people were stabbed near New York. And by the way, I want to be careful. This isn't just anti-Semitism. When we talk about fight for religious freedom, there are Christians who are persecuted throughout the world. There are Muslims who are persecuted around the world. And when we talk about the message of this holiday, it's the message of standing together to fight those who do not accept those of different faiths. And by the way, that's why my being here today is so significant. America needs to continue to be a country that embraces religious freedom, where different religions stand together in love and with respect. America needs to be a place where religious freedom, the value upon which this country was founded, is embraced and lived in the everyday. And you see it right here. You see it when you share a space with different religions who respect, care for, and love each other and say we will unite in a commitment for religious freedom. A commitment to fight against anti-Semitism. A commitment to oppose hatred that is directed to anyone of any faith. Last year, as I stood here, I thanked you 
for gathering with us after the shooting in the Pittsburgh synagogue. Your presence brought us so much comfort. We knew how much people stood with us. Little did I know that I would stand here today saying that things have gotten worse and that the need to stand together for religious freedom is even greater. So I continue to thank you with the knowledge that there is so much more to do. Hold on to the Hanukkah message. Lesson two. Hanukkah is a story of the few against the many. By the way, it is shocking and amazing that a ragtag group of fighters could defeat the most powerful army of the ancient world. And it reminds us of the power of motivation, faith, and believing in a cause that you will fight for against the odds. Inspired by faith, you, members of church, and I, the rabbi of the synagogue, know that we can change the world. We share a religious faith that says the few can overcome the many. David slew Goliath. Esther saved her people. Elijah overcame the prophets of Baal. And in our times, we've watched it, and it inspires us. We've watched the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement overcome powerful and trenched forces that many could not imagine would fall. We believe that the few can triumph over the many when there's the power of the Spirit. On Hanukkah, the Shabbat of Hanukkah, yesterday, we read from a piece of the prophetic literature from the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah. And in Zechariah, there's this beautiful line, not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lo velo We know and embrace the power of the Spirit to drive us. Our spirits long for freedom, and we believe that with the power of our spirit, we can overcome any odds. Lesson three. Hanukkah is the story of igniting a small flame, even when you don't know that you'll succeed in believing that it will grow. You know how I mentioned it's a more complicated story? Here's where it gets complicated and fascinating. Do you know who I know about the history of Hanukkah so well? From the book of Maccabees. And you know how I know about the book of Maccabees? Thank God for the Catholics. Really, because they kept a bunch of books that weren't included in your canon and mine. And amongst those was the book of Maccabees. And the book of Maccabees was written fairly close to the time this happened, and it tells the story that I told you with a twist. So get ready for the twist. The Maccabees fought the great fight. They liberated the Temple Mount. They lit the menorah. They celebrated the holiday of Sukkot. What is the holiday of Sukkot? The holiday of booths, the holiday of tabernacles. It's the holiday about the fall harvest. And you need to celebrate your harvest holidays. You need to because that's where blessing comes from. 
So we celebrated Sukkot, and Sukkot lasts for eight days. That's why Hanukkah really is eight days. And it says you shall continue to observe this every year at this time to celebrate the great victory against the Greeks. There is no mention in the source written at the time of the oil. Where's the oil? Isn't that the whole deal? The oil lasted eight days? Isn't that the story we tell our kids? It's not in the book of Maccabees. Oi. <laughs> the story of oil only came about several hundred years later. I read about it in rabbinic texts. The rabbis who, in many ways, reinterpreted religion in order to keep it alive, who said, how do I live it? In the text about Hanukkah, and it's a short little one, it says, what's the reason of Hanukkah? That they found a cruise of oil that was only to last for a day, and it lasted eight days after the victory. Why? Why would the rabbis? Did, dare I say it? I'll whisper it. Did they make something up? No, no, no. By the way, every society, every culture probably has a bunch of stories connected to military victory. Probably this story was about, it was a time of stories of light and darkness are part of every culture. I think that the rabbis took a story that was there and made it the story because the previous story wasn't working. The Maccabees themselves became Hellenized. They took on Greek practices. They let go of their Jewish practice within a generation. So do you want to have a holiday that celebrates people who stand for the opposite of what you believe should be? By the way, there's probably another very practical reason why you don't want to celebrate rebelling against the authority that has power. In the subsequent years, we had disastrous revolts. We rebelled against the Romans. The temple was destroyed. Millions died. Subsequently, there was another rebellion, the Bar Kokhva Rebellion. Again, there was terrible loss of life. And so the rabbis reinterpreted the holidays. They said, let's not focus on the human element, military victory. Let's focus on God. So when you talk about oil and miracle, the focus is on God. God transcending nature. By the way, when I asked my family, I asked both my family and my community, what's the message I should bring to the church about Hanukkah? And my son who's here, that's Ethan, who's off at college and we miss him and he's back, said, talk about how Judaism evolves and changes and how it really shifted from a religion that was about this military victory of humans to a religion that says it's all about the divine in the world. For him, evolution is an interesting part of religion. For me, that sense of a small flame can grow. Here's the story that I have received. That's a powerful story. It doesn't matter whether it really happened or not. Because it happened because I believe it. And here's what I believe. The power of this story is not that it lasted eight days. It's that someone lit the first candle when everyone said, but it's not going to last. 
Many of you have been parts of organizations or work or anything in your life where people have said, if you can't figure out all of the details necessary to get you to where you want to do, don't start. That's not what Hanukkah says. Hanukkah says, take a leap, take a jump, that we create miracles by taking the first step even when we're unsure of the outcome. This is a holiday of hope grounded in our ability to leap even when we are unsure of the the outcome. Number four, and for me, if you asked me to order them, this would really be my number one. Hanukkah is a holiday about choices. So many in that story made choices that did not affirm their faith and their background, and their essence. When I mentioned that the Greeks conquered the world and brought all of the gifts of Greek civilization, the word is Hellenism, the truth is that many young people moved from the countryside to the city and were pulled in by the lure of all of those gifts. The gymnasium, what could be more compelling Philosophy, architecture, art, the gifts of Hellenism were very, very compelling. But for me, this is a story of choice. It's a story that says you and I face choices every day. Will we embrace the surrounding culture that is different than our religious values? Or will we hold on to that which makes us unique? Why do I love the Maccabees? I love the Maccabees because they chose faith. They held on to a belief, the tradition, that all of the mitzvot, the commandments that tell us to care for our fellow humans, to see them as divine, to affirm who we are, that is what makes us who we are. By the way, what an irony that in some ways the holiday has become about imitating our non-Jewish neighbors so that we do what they do. This is really a holiday that should be about affirming the choices we make that are about our faith. By the way, you understand this message in a deeper way because you also live in a culture where people make your holiday, make Christmas, about commercialism and materialism. And you want to make a choice that says, I want the holiday to be about meaning, about purpose, Greek philosophy, as appealing as it was, did not have a belief in the dignity of every human, in the need to care for others, or a belief in a God that cares. Our religions say make a different choice. Choose life, choose God, choose commandedness of your obligation to your fellow human. And while my son is here, one of the things that matters to me most is the choices that you make as a person who can affirm your faith. And I'm so proud that as you have gone off to college, that you are making those choices. I met with a Muslim friend. And you know when you can really have enough trust that you can honestly talk to each other? And the Muslim friend said, here's my worry. Growing up in America, my kids are encountering something way different than my faith. And how do you help your kids make choices so they choose to be Jewish? And I said, that's the million dollar question. You Christians, people of Christian faith, face the same question. 
Hanukkah is a holiday about the choices that we make. Let's think about those choices. Let's make our own choices so that we're examples to our children. Let's make those choices so that we're examples to the world of how compelling faith can be. That's why this is such an important community, NBCC. Lesson five. Hanukkah reminds us to never give up on anyone. So when you read the book of Maccabees carefully, there's a detail that I promise you many of your Jewish neighbors will not know. You'll go and teach it to them. That's your gift back to me. Guerrilla warfare works when you're in the countryside. The Maccabees knew the terrain. They dug tunnels. I hope one day we can go to Israel together. And some of you will crawl through the Maccabee tunnels with me. They popped out of the tunnels in the ground. They attacked. They retreated. This was true guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare doesn't work when you get up to the city. So when they get to Jerusalem where the temple was, it was more, what do they do? And something amazing happened. This may be the true miracle. Many moderately Hellenized Jews, Jews who had embraced the Greek culture, the Greek lifestyle, joined in with the Maccabees. And it was that alliance that allowed them to succeed. By the way, this is a profound, profound message. The Maccabees didn't say, oh no, you're Hellenized, you can't join us. We are living in politically, socially, culturally divided times. People are living in their own silo and they will not talk to people who think or believe differently. And that disconnect is dangerous for our country and our world. So a message that says don't write anyone off. Don't ignore the blessings of a person who may have made different choices or has different beliefs of you because there are places where you can join together in faith. There are places where you can join together for important causes. Hanukkah is the holiday that says never, ever, ever give up on anyone. By the way, we respect our differences. Differences are good. And at the same time, we unite over shared values. We hold on to the sanctity of each and every person. We never give up on anyone. Lesson six. <laughs> By the way, my son said, maybe just give six lessons. It's getting long. <laughs> there are eight days. Or maybe my wife said that. <laughs> Hanukkah is about miracles. By the way, to you all, in ways different than even to my own community, I can talk about miracles. Because we share a belief in a God who transcends nature. Oil can last longer than expected. Food can multiply beyond what you see. Blind people can see and crippled people can walk. And for those who have some skepticism about miracles, there are ways to incorporate the power of miracles into your own faith. Do you know what happens when you read deeply about miracles? Miracles are really about moral lessons. I read a, Nicholas Kristof wrote a great article in last week's New York Times. And he was speaking with a Christian thinker who said, all of Jesus' miracles 
had to do with caring for those in need. They weren't about proving faith. They were about giving food to the poor. They were about healing the ill. And maybe miracles remind me of the morality that to be godly is to give food to those in need. I can create the miracle by helping to heal those who are sick by my care and my love. We can have a hand in creating miracles. And a holiday that reminds me to think about miracles reminds me that there are miracles every single day. Around us all of the time, powerful daily miracles. Let's allow miracle to fill our hearts. Lesson seven. Maybe this is my most favorite message. <laughs> Hanukkah reminds us to bring light to darkness. Every night we add another candle, light grows. Tonight's my favorite night. Come nightfall, we'll add that eighth candle. By the way, the reason that it looks like there are nine is that this candle is not one of the Hanukkah candles. It's the helper candle that we use to light the other ones. So there are eight for eight nights and the ninth as the helper candle. I love it when the room is full of light because it reminds me that I can increase light in a world that is too dark. That's what Pastor, Pastor Hamilton shared. I want you to think about the ways you can bring light in big ways and in small ways. Little pieces of kindness. When I think about the card that many of you are filling out where you're talking about places where you need some light in your life, it's the kindness of others helping to bring that light to one another that truly is what our holiday seasons are about. For me, a religious community that is not involved in bringing light to the world is not fulfilling its religious purpose. I don't care about the gifts that people gave one another on Hanukkah. I care that we as a community went to Maple Street Shelter and helped feed those who do not have food. The greatest gift that we can give is the week of January 5th when we as a community will host Home and Hope, where we invite homeless families to come make this their home. We'll set up tents, we'll serve delicious meals. The program gives job training so people can get back on their feet. We increase light. Thank you. And I would, I would give the biggest applause to the inspiring work that this church is doing in our community. I am aware of the amazing support that you give to schools in this area. I am inspired by the acts of kindness and goodness and light that you as a community devote yourselves to. And when I say there's a power in sharing a sacred space, when two communities both support each other in the goodness that they are doing and in bringing light to places of darkness, imagine what we can do. The Hebrew for this holiday isn't just Chanukah, dedication. It's also called Chag Urim, the holiday of lights. It's another beautiful piece of shared faith. In the Psalms, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Adonai Uri ve'ishi. We can increase light. That will let us walk into the new year with it not just being happy new year, but a good new year. 
a new year of goodness. When you greet someone at the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, if you could muster a Shana Tova, Shana Tova, it doesn't mean Happy New Year. It means good new year. A new year of goodness. That's what we are bringing. And finally, number eight, latkes, latkes and jelly donuts. <laughs> the joy of Hanukkah is the delicious fried foods that my doctor would prefer I don't eat. But sometimes you have to have a little bite to remind you of something meaningful. So here's what happened between service one and service two. Orlando and Terry brought delicious latkes into my office. And boy, <laughs> they were authentic and delicious and are sitting right here right now. <laughs> you get to enjoy a donut hole after services. And when you do, think of all of these lessons of Hanukkah. In Israel, they eat sufganiyot, which is Hebrew for jelly donuts. I spent a good part of my study in Israel looking for the best sufganiyah throughout the land because there's nothing like a jelly donut. Tonight, we'll gather around the Hanukkah and celebrate freedom, courage, standing up for what is right, miracles, and light. We'll sing songs and tell stories. We will affirm that our spirit is strong and that in the face of darkness, we will then light another candle. So I want to invite you, if you would, to join me as I light the Hanukkah candle, the Hanukkah, for the seventh day. And please stand, if you would. If you like, or if you know, please join in the blessings that are going to be on the screen. The first blessing says that God's commanded us to light these lights. The second blessing thanks God for the miracles that happened at that time. After each one, if you could just say amen. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav V'tzivanu lehadlit ner Shel Chanukah Amen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Sheasa nisim lavotenu, Bayamim haem, Bazman May it be a new year of goodness, of light, of courage, of love, of connection, and joy. Amen. You may be seated as we uh, briefly prepare to close. I just want to share how much, um, uh, Rabbi Ezra, how much we appreciate having you. And uh, one of my reflections uh, from hearing his message, I'm so grateful for. One of the things that I learned is that uh, Jesus celebrated uh, Hanukkah. 
Um, and I, I can't say the H, so uh, I will try my best. But, um, but in, John, in John 10, it describes uh, Jesus with his family celebrating the Feast of Dedication, which is the celebration of Hanukkah. And one of the things that I so appreciate about Rabbi Ezra's message is that really the ministry of Jesus, and for all of us who, are, who count ourselves as followers of Jesus, that really Jesus' ministry was made possible because Hanukkah exists as a holiday. That if the preservation of the ability to, for uh, the Jewish people to be able to worship, to teach, to keep the Sabbath, uh, to worship in synagogue, like all of those things, if those were not preserved, then Jesus' ministry would not have been able to be what it was. Uh, and then uh, the second thing that really stands out to me in being able uh, to hear this message and just to appreciate the context of Jesus' ministry is that knowing that uh, Jesus, as uh, a first century Jew, as one who celebrated Hanukkah, um, that the teachings of Jesus then are in that context. And so in John 8, um, when uh, Jesus is teaching um, and he says that I am the light of the world, um, it makes me think that it comes in the context of what he had understood at, at you know, in Hanukkah being the festival of lights and the importance of being light in the darkness and the way that he saw his ministry as an expression of God's love and God's light coming into the world so that people could know God's goodness and that people could know that they could enter into relationship with God and be an expression of God's light in the world.